TalkLine Network Radio, America's longest-running Jewish broadcast network, the voice of the Jewish community. What are we gonna do with our children? What are we gonna do to show we care? How are we gonna be there for our children when they feel that life has just not been that fair? Good evening and welcome back to Masks Weekly Radio Show on Family Matters. Mask Mothers and fathers aligned, saving kids, kids of all ages and all stages for all mental health struggles, including addiction. If you know someone that needs a referral for a therapist, an inpatient or outpatient program, a new school for the upcoming year, please call us at MASK, 718-758-0400. I'll repeat the number. Maybe you want to jot it down for yourself, a friend, a neighbor, someone you sit next to usually in shul. Remember, our helpline is strictly confidential. Maybe you know somebody that needs a parent support group. We are still running parent support groups by Zoom. So please share our number. It is 718-758-0400. Tonight, I'm so happy to have on with me somebody that I've been following for quite some time now. And that is Dr. Batko, who has the Go Be Society, where she provides families everywhere with ongoing professional guidance, like a toolbox of really powerful strategies to address emotional, social, and behavioral challenges at home and in school with children. So I would like to finally welcome you on tonight on our show. Dr. Chasia Batsko, how are you? Hi, and thank you. Thank you, Mask, for all that you do for our community. While you're following me, I can tell you that I know firsthand from so many families just how helpful Mask is, and, and it should be continued success to Mask and to all of what you do for our community. Amen. Thank you, of course, with my staff. So um, I'd like to recognize them. You know, it's the end of June. We're closing up the school year, starting to kids leaving and left sleepaway camp. And is it okay if I call you Dr. Chasya? Is that all right? Sure. My patients call me Dr. B. It's a little bit. Dr. B. Yeah. That's what everyone goes in. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So Dr. B, kids are going now to camp, starting day camp. And 
you know, before we speak about children, we need to speak about the parents. And the parents feel very overwhelmed in general. Finishing school, running to simchas, packing, shopping, different schedules of different children with the bus schedule, when they're leaving to camp, when they need to be picked up from camp. I'd like to talk about anxiety and how one can empower parents and children actually in particular during the summer camp time. Well, you know what? I think that you're really identifying what I call the top-down model. We have to empower the parents first because that trickles down. Now, first of all, it goes without saying that the research shows that an anxious parent is seven times more likely to have an anxious child. But so we have to really identify what we can do to help parents. And you said there are so many expectations that parents put both the societies put on them, that, that deadlines have put on them, but overall there's a lot that they can even put on themselves. So the first thing is we have to say, wait a second, take some time just to get, give yourself a little bit of a break, both time-wise and perhaps expectation-wise. You know, going into, you know, you, you mentioned a, a variety of pressures. Going to a simcha, do you have to be the first one and, you know, at, at the place, or can you go, you know, shave off the expectation and do it in a way that is going to feel comfortable? Do you have to wake up and already immediately go in for all of the, the variety of things that you have to do? Or can you take some time to yourself, giving yourself a breather sometime either in the beginning of the day, towards the middle of the day, or identifying at the end of the day to be able to just to reconfigure, get back into your own zone. When you're having those moments where the you can tell in your voice, you have the physical manifestations of anxiety, pull back and say, wait, there's got to be, I am going to, it's just going to the domino effect. So if I can get myself in check, then I can be the best self that I can be and perhaps the best parent that I can be. And, and finally, there are definitely triggers as a parent. There are certain parents where it's really about how your child looks and or how you look. So, you know, whatever your trigger is, why? Very hard to focus on that to allow yourself to know, okay, so when it's going to come to this, this is going to be my hardest. So let me do a little bit more of my effort beforehand so I can not succumb to whatever the anxiety is saying. And, yeah. No, excellent. Go on, please. So, you know, the parents are the kingpin, but I think that as if they know, and I think that knowledge is always power, so the more that we know about anxiety, the better we can be to demystify and to understand with ourselves as parents and with our child what's really happening. You see, the anxiety is such that it is both uh, there are biological reasons for there to be anxiety, there are emotional reasons, there are processing reasons. And I think it's important to first to understand that if you do have anxiety, either because 
you are predisposed that biologically that's just what you have in your genetic makeup or that there's it's situational and that like you said these are transitional times the time between camp and school the time from from you know until you get that first letter to know that your child is settled in camp or that your child is already in a routine these are tougher times so there's or there's trauma anxiety is not something that is necessarily a bad thing in fact i often say it is just it is a you know it is part of who and what the whole feeling gamut is it comes and we would if we were have a magic wand to say can 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 i can i take away and eliminate all anxiety my answer would hopefully be no do not say that you want to get rid of anxiety you just want that it to be at a manageable level and that in fact if we embrace the idea that anxiety is a response to protect us then we can then use that response in a in a variety of different ways it is very good to go into the summer in a somewhat anxious position so that you are you are keyed up for important safety features that you you're keyed up to bring your best self you're keyed up to you know to understand expectations and to grow from them you don't want to have it completely eliminated not in yourself and not in your child so we have to work with it as kind of hands in hand as opposed to it being an enemy that we just want to be removed and i think that if parents go and being like oh i'm feeling anxious right now okay let's as i tell the kids bring it on just bring it on perhaps at a you know let, let me lower the volume let me work on lowering the volume so that i can function and my kids can function and we can use it to our advantage but God forbid, should it be something that we don't have at all? Well, thank you. So important to remember that we need to first take care of ourselves, like on the airplane, first put on your own mask before you put it on to the other, you know, others, family members with you or sitting next to you. But it's so important to us to remember that anxiety can be influenced by environmental factors. So let's talk about the triggers that are often, you know, what kind of triggers can trigger somebody with anxiety? Okay, so um, talking about children, right? So, or you know, even, even, uh, you know, uh, parents, I think that one trigger is certainly the idea that this is something new, something that is, that I haven't done before, right? Or the transition of I'm used to doing it one way, and now I'm going to be doing it in a different way. When our footing is not on is not even, and so you know our our um, our feet are not as firm as they were before. Then the body sends out a message. Okay, like now something different is happening, and we're going to have to react. And oftentimes that creates uh, a, a a rise in emotionality, which is a hard thing to experience. So, what would some of those triggers be? In well, going into camp, right? or a routine change, or 
people that we expected to be in a certain way, and now they're acting in a different way and perhaps a negative way. Those are identifiable triggers that are happening to, you know, to, at the start of camp, you know, in a, in a very strong way. So that to be kids are going to take camp and not every, every child is sociable. Not every kid is the same. So what happens if there's a child that says, I really don't want to go to day camp or goes and comes home unhappy? Right. So I think that that is you know, the number one fear is after, you know, after you put in all this effort and you want your child to have such a great time. And then they 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 they're like, no, no, I, I don't I don't I don't want to go. That That's it. No, no. So I think if we take a step back, we have to understand where our child is up to in advance of this. There are definitely more anxious children and a child who is, um, you know, an anxious child to begin with and is, you know, uh, uh, or a homesick prone child to begin with, who has a difficult time separating. So where, what can we do with them? So uh, to help, to facilitate that this is going to be a positive experience. So I'm a very big believer in there's a problem, there's a plan. So working with that child in advance to say, okay, you know what, like, you know, you're having, you're having some worry, it's okay. Let's think about what we can do so that we can have what we need to be able to make this camp experience a really nice experience is very important. What is the child bringing to the experience that's going to empower them to get through that initial feeling? Because like I say to all, you know, to many of my patients, feelings are like clouds. They go and they change. They don't stay the same. And so being, you know, staunch on one feeling is not exactly the way the feelings work. So if we can help to facilitate, to empower them to give it more of a try and to know what is going to get them over that initial transition, then oftentimes that's enough to be able to then have a, you know, the experience that is helpful and empowering them to do that through what I call skill and drill. Practice before you go role play, understand certain situations, have that discussion with your child. Okay, so what is my child up to if they're getting nervous before camp and they're they're not sure that they want to go? Okay, well, let's let's talk it out with them. Let's understand where they're up to and work very, very alongside with them to empower them to be like, okay, so that's what you were worried about. Let's see what we could do to plan that. Oh, that's what you're worried about. Okay, let's see what we can do to work that out too. And for many kids, as long as they go in with a level of a plan, they're, they're good to go. Now, if a child has come back and said, uh, you know, camp was, camp, everything about camp was terrible. Okay, so again, that is your anxiety as a parent goes up. They're clearly emotional. And we have to know something that's really important about uh, emotionality, which is when our emotional self is up, and this happens to adults and kids alike, our rational sense is down. So you can't, both of them are not working at the same time. What I tell my patients when the prefrontal cortex or your smarty is working, then your Amy, your cheerleader, that emotional sense is not, they're not working at the exact same time. So let's first calm the child down. They come home, they're crying, they're in tears. Let's get everybody, you and them should take a drink, have a snack, stay calm. 
And then once the calm is hit, the, irash, the rational self hopefully has come in, then let's talk it out. Let's talk about those things that you enjoyed. Let's talk about the benefits of, of camp. What were some of the things that were good? Let's break it up into smaller, more meaningful parts to really identify what could be happening and where there could be an adjustment. Because oftentimes it really, once we get back to calm and our rational self is, is back, there's a lot more that we can overcome than in the throes of an emotional experience. So that to be, kids do uh, get bullied, uh, whether they're in camp, in the park, in school, many different areas where they can be bullied. And there's meanness that often happens. So they come home and they don't want to go back to camp because possibly they were bullied. What would you suggest to parents then? Right. So I think that meanness happens all the time. And we have to kind of differentiate between the levels of meanness and understanding where our, you know, we can pave the road for our children or we can give them the tools to be able to overcome the bumps ahead. Now, some bumps are, they're all different types of bumps, right? So, you know, I, I, I like to use as a metaphor, you know, there's, we can't control that it's going to rain, but we definitely want to empower our children to know that they can take an umbrella, they can take a raincoat, or they can enjoy the rain if it's coming. So meanness happens. And it's good to give our children uh, on a lower level of meanness, not necessarily the definition of a significant bully situation. But if somebody is mean, it's good to teach our children what I call to wear a heart shield and just to know that it's not, you know, it's not you unless you did something, but it's rather the other person being sad, mad, or feeling bad. Now that, that does not mean that, you know, uh, if they are attacked or, uh, you know, on a significant level, that it's something completely different, but there are definitely a lot of, on the first day of camp or in the first week of camp, People are having, you know, kids are not exactly at their best. Why? Because they themselves are very nervous. And throughout the summer, there are going to be other triggers. There's color war situations that happen. There are trip situations. And then there's just downright out, you know, not nice, you know, mean people. And it's good to develop a heart shield to know, wait a second, that's not me. That's the other person feeling really upset. Now, there's also, it's really important socially Camp is a time for kids. Summer is a time for kids to be social. But not everybody is a, is a healthy friend. It's important for the kids to identify who's a healthy friend and who's not. I like to say that the value of a friend is someone that makes you feel good and, and someone that you have something in common with and someone that, that, you know, that you think that they have some value. Because not everybody's going to be your friends. And so sometimes the meanness is really an indicator like, okay, this is just not a good fit for me. Now, other times there are more significant meanness that happens and people are actually being either attacked or, you know, really uh, um, they're, they're toxic situations that happen. And then we want to empower our children, like when the child did come home, to say, wait a second. First, what could you do about it? And if you're on equal footing with somebody else, then yes, you can communicate with them if you can. If not, 
we identify that it's not a healthy thing to be left alone with someone who's going to be toxic, and that it would be very good to empower the child, again, to go in with a buddy or somebody else to be able to handle the meanness or whatever is going on so that they can still go ahead and enjoy. But if that isn't the case, then it does get bumped up to the level of, I appreciate that you told me. And that bully and meanness and safety are paramount in our family. And that I will do my best to go and speak to the camp, to speak to the counselor. And so when we bump it up to the level where there really is a a significant issue that the child can't be empowered to do by themselves and can't be empowered to even deal with it either through uh, their own communication, then yeah, then we have to get involved. But there are ve- there are not as many issues, you know, to, to the anxious parent uh, to, you know, to say that, you know what, that's it, no camp. And, and oftentimes these situations get rectified and they allow, and they, they allow both the, the family, the child, the camp, the, the counselor to, to grow and improve on protocol and improve on the capability to provide safety. So just because a child is not having a good day or has experienced something, there are many, many ways that we can empower the child to say, you can still go to camp, have a great time, and we can make this be something that we can, you know, strength to strength and continue on from, as opposed to cower and, and to, you know, to just, you know, run from and escape from. Um, Excellent. Thank you. Let's speak about being homesick. For many children, homesick is a real issue. It could take some up to a week till they just acclimate themselves and get into it. But that first week is torture for parents when they find out their child's homesick. And torture for the child that You know, they don't want you using the phone. They don't want you calling home. But the kids are clearly, there are kids that go to camp and they're homesick, even if they go year after year. So let's um, speak a little bit about that. Oh, my gosh. That is the number one thing that I have been doing in my practice for the last two weeks. This is the number one anxiety for kids going to going to to camp and the truth is that if we just go in with a calm approach first to plan that yes embracing the idea that you're going to be homesick and identifying what you're going to do about it in advance for it coming is really helpful so even before kids left the camp a lot of kids came with a homesick like a literally a a bag of tricks either a book or a, a, you know, a, a lanyard or an extra snack or a, an IOU that says, you know, I can stay up all night and then still sleep the next morning. Um, you know, identifying that it is going to happen. And instead of putting burying our head in the sand, saying, you know what, let's have our plan and let's act. Okay, that's the first. The second is to activate and to ask the child, why do you even want to do this? Sometimes we lose sight of all the good stuff when we're only focused on the home sick. Why do you even want to be here? Why, like, why do you want to work it on? And then next to say, let's bring it on. It's going to happen. But so you know what else happens at the same time as home sick? You and your superpower. Let's focus on our child's superpower of what they bring to the homesick table. 
you're a happy camper who enjoys having a good time. Let's bring that on. Let's remember that. Sometimes when, what happens is we, we flip to one side of the feeling instead of flipping back. And I think that once we identify the superpower, we flip it back and forth to say, wait a second, I know two feelings can't be together. Let me focus on like the positive feeling. And finally, when, when someone's homesick, they're focused on themselves. I oftentimes say, try to find another kid who's homesick. First, it normalizes it for you. But then if you're helping somebody else, good news, not so focused on yourself. And that oftentimes can help. And lastly, communication. There are plenty of people that you can communicate with, not only the parent, but like I said, you go from yourself to asking a friend to a counselor to, you know, everybody's got advice on homesick because that's the number one thing. Find out who's homesick, help them out and speak about it. Don't, don't let it bottle up before you have to, you know, let it, let it explode. And, and homesick is happens, but like all feelings, like clouds, they come and they go and they change. So that to me, this is all such good information. I, I do want to ask you just to discuss what are the signs that a parent could look for uh, to see if their child, like some symptoms of anxiety in children, because they may have done well in school. And we know that anxiety really could start like around, they say, seven years old. Uh, but if they're going to day camp, not everybody may share right away what's going on. So what are some of the signs that parents should look for to see if their child is happy or not? Well, well, symptoms of anxiety change throughout the course of the lifetime, but they really start even earlier than seven, much earlier, even you know preschool and toddler age. But I think it would be good to look for physical symptoms of stomach hurting, throat hurting, head hurting, complaining like the physical um, nightmares, um, social with just withdrawal, um, repetitive behaviors, crying, um, you know, just acting out. Uh, older kids start to ask a lot of questions. Um, you know, I think that the physical is that like that thing that kind of can create can go throughout all the ages and the sleeplessness. Um, but you know, when you have an open communication with your child and you're just looking to see, you know, that their behavior and their performance and their just enjoyments and and is is the same, that's one thing. But you know, like we said, they're different triggers for anxiety and sometimes the easiest time for a child is in school because of the rules and the expectations and the type of experience social experience in camp is oftentimes very different and it would be good just you know to continue to look out for those signs and and allowing yourself to do that by giving yourself the opportunity you know if your child is home to be spending a little bit of time with them just looking and seeing and and you know and and keeping track of it well, thank you, Dr. B. It's wonderful having you on. Hope to have you on again. I'd just like you to give out your Instagram information, please. Sure. It's Gobi, as in G-O-B-E dot society. And anyone can go on to your website as well. That's right. It's gobisociety.com. And uh, I maintain a practice in Woodmere, New York. All of the information is provided on the, on the site. Well, thank you. Hope to have you on soon again. Thank you so much.
Have and I want to wish everyone a very good evening, a beautiful Shabbos. And always remember, hang in, hold on, and virtually for now, hug tight. Wishing everybody a very safe summer. Have a good Shabbos. Please consider to go online and donate at maskparents.org so we could continue with all these wonderful shows and the programs that Mask offers. Thank you and good night. You are invited to MANA, the only Glock Kosher Brazilian Radicio Fusion and Bar in the United States. Located at 185-01 Union Turnpike in Fresh Meadows in Queens. To celebrate their grand opening, Mana, featuring the cuisine of Chef Raffaelli, is offering an all-you-can-eat experience with over 12 different varieties and quality meats, over 15 salad bars, and unlimited soft beverages for only $80 during June and July. Mana boasts an incredible ambiance, amazing vibes, super cool and very tasty drinks. They also have great space for private events up to 200 people, outdoor and indoor dining, and a VIP room. Chef Raffaelli will cater your special event, Simcha, or corporate event at Mana or your place. Mana, under the Queen's Vod, is located at 185-01 Union Turnpike in Fresh Meadows in Queens. For reservations and catering for any event, call 718-454-8000. That's 718-454-8000. Are you interested in hosting your own radio show and podcast, or perhaps a TV program? Talkline Network can help you get on the air from one hour weekly to 24 hours a day. Ideal for ethnic, foreign language, medical, business, and religious broadcasting. We also have full-time radio stations for lease, as well as FM HD channels. For more information, please call 212-769-1925. That's 212-769-1925. Or email zevrenner at gmail.com.